I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 109 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have an awesome guest joining me for today's podcast. He is a legend in the world of New York radio. He has had shows on WFAN. He's done the sports on 1010 Wins. And he is currently the co-host of the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show on WABC with Bernard McGurk. I have actually called in and spoken with him on his show a few years ago. So it will be an honor to sort of flip the script here and have Sid on First Class Fatherhood. So please stick around for the interview. I know that Sid's presence on the show will bring with it many new listeners to the podcast. So for you guys and girls who are tuning in for the first time, welcome aboard. I am a 38-year-old father of four children, and I am celebrating fatherhood by bringing in high-profile, successful people to share their fatherhood journeys, drop some advice, and really just listen to their perspective on life as a father. I have been blessed to have so many amazing guests on the show, and if you take a quick stroll through the podcast archives, you will see what I mean. I have had everybody from NFL Hall of Famers such as Deion Sanders, Kurt Warner, Andre Reid. I've had about a dozen Navy SEALs, including the first class father who shot and killed Osama Bin Laden, Rob O'Neill. I've had multi-million dollar entrepreneurs like Ed Milet and Bedros Koulian, actors like Dean Cain and Max Martini. There's really a little something for everybody in there. I've had men from all walks of life, but the one thing that they all have in common is they are first class fathers. So I hope you enjoy this podcast, and if you do, please recommend it to any father that's in your contact list. There is truly some valuable content in the 100 or so episodes that are available, and best of all, they are 100% free to listen to and download. And if you have a chance, please hit me with a rating and a review. It is my opinion that fatherhood is not celebrated nearly enough. I think in a world where everybody wants everything to be equal, fathers are not treated as equals when it comes to parenting. You single dads who have been through the court system with a divorce know exactly what I am talking about here. Uh, But we are talking about it all. We're celebrating it. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here on the Family Podcast, which has been ranked number one on iTunes for kids and family several times. So right now, let me smack you guys with a quick little spot, and I'll be right back on the other side with Sid Rosenberg. I'm Alec Lace, and you are listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first class father. He is a legend in the broadcasting industry. He began his career down in Florida and eventually brought his talent to New York City, where he hosted a sports program on WFAN. He is currently the co-host on what is the best morning radio show for my money, the Bernie and Sid Show on WABC, where he also hosts the Sid Sports Sunday Show. It is a great privilege for me to say Sid Rosenberg. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. It's nice to be here, buddy. Thank you so much for having me on today. I love uh, love talking about being a dad. I spend most of my days talking about Donald Trump or Eli Manning, so... Let's talk about being a dad. It's a heck of a lot more fun. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So let's get talking about it here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I've got two. I've got uh, my, my daughter, Ava, is 14. In fact, she's heading over to Jingle Ball tonight, right up her alley at Madison Square Garden. And I've got a 10-year-old uh, boy, Gabriel. And I will say this, 
I make a conscious decision almost on a daily basis on the Bernie and Sid in the morning show on 77 WABC Radio here in New York. Talk about my family because getting back to what you just said, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why my show, our show in particular, has become popular is because of the lifestyle stuff. You know, look, not everybody can relate to Donald Trump living in a White House or, a, you know, an ivory tower on Fifth Avenue. Not everybody can relate to, you know, a superstar quarterback making $120 million or Patrick Corbin getting $140 million from the Washington Nationals. But everybody can relate to their kid doing this, you know, standing on the sideline on a rainy Saturday during soccer practice. Today I've got my son doing karate. You know, the sometimes the uh, the anxiety of going to a parent-teacher night, even for a fourth grader. So uh, that's why I do that every single day on my radio show, and that's why I'm excited to be here. Yeah, awesome, Sid, and that's why I'm here. Fatherhood isn't being celebrated or talked about nearly enough, and we may not all have the same size bank accounts. We may differ on politics and religion, but when it comes to our children and us as dads, we understand what it's like to love our kids, to worry about our kids, and really just want to protect and provide for our family. So uh, tell me, Sid, what kind of sports or activities are your kids into? Well, my daughter's into tennis. You know, she spent most of her life in Boca Raton, Florida. I I worked... uh at WFAN in New York uh, in 2005, I left, and my wife and I moved down to Boca Raton, Florida. Ava was 18 months old, and she was down there until 2016. So she spent a good a good portion of her life, 12 of her 14 years, living in the sunshine of Boca Raton, Florida. But tennis is is, uh, is uh, you know pretty much a daily sport for tons of kids. And she actually trained, by the way, with Rick Macy. Rick Macy has now trained six number one players in the world, including the likes of the Serena and uh, the Williams sisters, uh, Andy Roddick, Capriati. So Ava trained with him. Uh, she is playing tennis up here in Harlem as well. That's her sport. My son doesn't really do a lot with sports. He does karate a couple of times a week, but he's more into reading and Fortnite and stuff like that. Very cool. Hey, I got some chess players, book readers, and Fortnite fanatics in my bunch. You got to love the diversity. Uh, now, do you get in there and coach at all with the tennis, or do you step aside and cheer her on from the stands? You know, it's funny. I used to go all the time when she was very, very little, and, and Patrick McEnroe is a dear friend of mine. I mean, I've made some very big sports friends over the years, dating back to my days at WFAN and even now doing my Sid Sports Sunday show. Uh, Patty Mack is a great guy, and he would spend a lot of time, still does, by the way, down in Boca Raton for Davis Cup stuff. And his daughter is about my daughter's age, Ava. His daughter is a tremendous player, a really good player, pretty much a pro. So uh, we both have that in common, me and Patty Mack, and he would tell me that his daughter would get really, really upset when he would come to her practices, her, her tournaments. Uh, even though he is a professional tennis player, he was at least him and his brother John, she would get upset. My daughter, the same thing. When she was really young, she really liked it. As she got older, and I became a little more critical, if I said anything negative, she got really angry. So at this point, she would much rather have her, my wife there, her mother, then her dad, she looks at me like, oh, daddy's going to get mad at me. He's going to say something, which I don't usually do, mother. I'm not that type of dad, but I did it once or twice, so now I'm pretty much labeled by my daughter. All right, so you're going to have to step aside when she starts driving a car then, too, I'd imagine. Well, probably so. You're probably right. <laughs> I mean, my, my, my fear is, or maybe it's not my fear, is that all the major things that these kids do when they hit that age, whether it is driving a car, sporting events, all those things, my... I feel like your mommy needs to be there before daddy, but that's okay because at the end of the day, I'm still a very involved parent, whether it's sports or school or walking my son in the park or walking my daughter in the park. I take pride in the fact that I'm a very, very involved dad, and that's why this podcast is so cool because, quite frankly, there's a lot of stuff for moms out there, but not a lot of stuff for dads, and um, 
Maybe we deserve that. Maybe there's too many of us that don't you know, spend enough time with our kids and doting. I mean, you know, guys are say, I'm a great father. Well, you know, you play nine hours of golf on a Saturday. You play 12 hours of golf and fantasy football on a Sunday. What exactly, what exactly makes you a great father? Well, 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 my kids have nice clothes. They go to good schools. That doesn't mean you're a good father. You know, I'm the type of guy that I get up at 3.30 in the morning and host a morning show. Then I tape interviews for my Sunday show. I got a 12-hour workday, and yet when I get home, I will sit down with my son three, four nights a week and help him with his math homework. To me, that's a father, not someone who spends money on their kids and then disappears all weekend long. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Sid, I say it all the time on the podcast here. It feels like there is an attack on the family life in this country, uh, fatherhood in particular, uh, through movies and TV. The way dads are portrayed, like the idiot who doesn't know how to change a diaper or do anything but bring home a paycheck, does dads and fatherhood a great disservice. Uh, We are not babysitters. We are fathers. We're no longer that Ralph Cramden character from the 1950s. Uh, We have evolved, and most of the dads that I have on the podcast here, they agree with that, and, and they are just as involved in the parenting as the moms. I think you're right. I think, you know, you go back to those days and the mom was with the kids and the dad would show up at 8, 9 o'clock at night after work and showed very little interest in what was going on with the kids. And, you know, the weekends were for dad. You know, he went and went to the track and did whatever he had to do. And you're right. I mean, I, you know, I, I certainly, all of my friends, and I'll be, uh, God willing, 52 years old in April, all of my friends and dads are very involved, whether it's tennis or ballet or baseball or football. And, you know, they go to parent-teacher night. So I do think that we get a uh, an unfair you know, an unfair judgment out there. I think that uh, dads have come along and for the most part do a very, very good job in this day and age. Agreed. Sid, please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background, what you do, and how fatherhood changed your perspective on life. Well, listen, I grew up uh, in Brooklyn, New York, and my dad was very, very involved. I played football, Kings Bay football in Brooklyn, New York, and my dad was my football coach. I played baseball at North Highway Little League in Brooklyn, New York, and my dad was my baseball coach. Uh, basketball and hockey I became interested in later on in life. My dad basically growing up in the 40s was a, was a you know, football baseball guy. Um, but uh, he was always very, very uh, doting uh, when it came to sports, when it came to school. And to this day, my dad, and I talk about my dad Harvey on the morning show on ABC all the time. He'll be 86 years old, and uh, we're very, very close. I've been in radio now for almost 20 years. I've been in two different states and at six different stations, and my dad has never missed a show. He has never, I mean, he was sick a couple of times. He was in the hospital, but whenever he's been okay, he's never missed a show. So I learned from uh, from a good man, Harvey, to, I knew I wanted to be a dad just like him, and fatherhood did change me. I mean, look, everybody knows, who knows me, I should say. Uh, I've got a wild side. I was fired in New York a couple of times, very controversially. Uh, early, you know, in New York Post writings, New York Daily News writings. I'd party and miss the I Miss show. I'd party and miss the giant pregame show. And, and I was a wild man, and when my kids were born, to be completely honest, it didn't change me right away, not right away, but after a while, it certainly did. And your perspective changes, and you start to realize that what you thought was important before ain't all that important. So luckily, I grew up in a, in a very tight-knit, you know, middle-class Jewish family in Brooklyn, New York. And like I said, my dad and I were very close and still very close to this day. And I took a lot of what he did with me and instilled that with my children and I think now with three generations of Rosenbergs, my dad, Harvey, me, and my son, Gabriel, I think it works out great. We're all very, very close. 
Yeah, and I think you're right on with that there. Change happens over time. Having a kid doesn't necessarily hit you right away, but one of the best changes I think that it brings is that it kind of makes you treat other kids the way you want your child to be treated, and that really opens the door for you to start treating other people the way you want to be treated, and that really goes a long way to make a better community, a better culture, and a better society, and that's why I think if we could just nourish our family units, strengthen our family values, and just celebrate family life, I don't think we see half of the problems that we're seeing in this country right now. Well, there's no doubt, and a lot of the problems we see uh, happen within broken families. I mean, I'm not going to say that there aren't uh, examples of families that, uh, you know, go to church together on a Sunday or go to temple together on Saturday and, and aren't tight-knit that there aren't issues. Well, of course there are. We know that. But I really believe in my heart of hearts that if they did a statistical study, and they probably have, I don't know, that a lot of the, the, the big issues, I mean, look at the last couple of years. You know, you go down to Parkland, for example, where I live very close to there. That awful shooting last Valentine's Day, that was a kid, Nicholas Cruz, who was a broken kid, right? He came from a broken home. He had adopted parents. His, his adopted parents, whatever it was, uh, that was not a kid that had the love that your child or my child has. And, and there are countless examples of that. If you go back and look at a lot of the, you know, the, the really senseless crimes that we've seen over the last few years, that seems to be the case. So, again, no statistical study that I can really tell you about, but my feeling is is that most families that are tight-knit and do things together have a much better shot at being productive and good citizens than folks who don't have those values, uh, that core, and those traditions to fall back on. Yeah, the stats are overwhelming, Sid. Uh, fatherhood.org is one place you can find them. Uh, most teenage pregnancies, childhood incarcerations, uh, crime, drugs, most of them are all coming from fatherless homes. It, it definitely makes a difference. And I think rather than being told the importance of starting a family, our culture tells people, you know, it's more important to go chase the money, chase the career, chase the dream, and then maybe somewhere down the line, if at all, start a family. And I think it should be reversed. It should be, but it, listen, it's hard. I mean, you know, I live in the real world. I, you know, people tell me all the time, money doesn't make you happy. Well, it may not make you happy, but if you don't have it, you ain't going to be happy. That's the bottom line. Let's stop with the, I'm not a very religious guy. Uh, if you are, I apologize. Uh, I don't believe God fixes everything. I don't believe that without money, you're happy. You know, I think that, it, it, you know, you, you, there are some things that you don't need, right? You don't need that third house, maybe. You don't need the big boat. I get that. But it is very hard to get by these days. I mean, I make a, a salary that is significantly more than 99% of folks in this country. And I've got a wife who's a lawyer, and we still live paycheck to paycheck. That doesn't make any sense. But living in Manhattan, New York City, that's a fact. And with, yeah. that comes, with that comes a lot of stress. So, you know, both of us have to work. We've got two kids. We're great parents. We love our kids. But even with me making a salary that is really, really high, we've got both have to work just to kind of make ends meet without living a lavish lifestyle. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that does... That does get in the way for other folks of doing the parenting job they would like to do. But let's not poo-poo the fact that too many people in this country don't have a choice. And, and that goes back. It's not about morals necessarily in all those cases. It's not about parenting. It's about, unfortunately, in this day and age, some families need two jobs. Some need three just to get by. Yeah, hey, and I'm a three-job guy myself. I'll be driving Uber later tonight. I mean, I'm always doing a little side hustle, but it makes you wonder, Sid, how they did it years ago when the average family had, what, like a half a dozen kids and the mom stayed home. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it was just different. I guess, you know, maybe it didn't take as much money to, to live, you know, that, you know, whether it was food or housing or rents or mortgages, maybe it wasn't nearly as expensive. I don't know. 
It's a good question. I sometimes watch television and I see some older shows and I wonder how the hell these people get by. Um, it's a good question. I guess I could ask my dad about that. My dad's father, my grandfather, growing up in Coney Island, was a haberdasher. Never made a lot of money, obviously. But guess what? Had an apartment in Coney Island. My grandparents traveled. They had three kids. They made bar mitzvahs. They made weddings. So they found a way to get by. And we all find a way to get by. Let's face it, regardless of the generation, regardless of the era, when you work hard, when you care about your family, you find a way to get by. But I really believe it is becoming increasingly more difficult in this day and age when my kids are still kids to get by than maybe it was 40 or 50 years ago, certainly well after the Great Depression. Yeah. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, Sid, let me ask you about failures as a father, because I think another thing that's a big difference between dads of today and from yesteryear is that I could never imagine my dad apologizing to me for for anything. Um, uh, But I find myself apologizing to my kids, saying I'm sorry when I make mistakes. So how do you handle failure as a father? Well, failure is a tough word. I mean, look, again, I've got a very public persona. Uh, People know about my issues with drugs and alcohol in the past. Uh, I've been fired. I've been suspended. I had to go to rehab. My daughter was only 13 months old, and she was visiting me on Sundays in a rehab facility in um, in New Jersey. So uh, it, I'm talking about mistakes that are a lot bigger than maybe what you're talking about. Uh, I never viewed them as failures as a father. I mean, I've got issues. Other people have issues. And unfortunately, that did get in the way of my parenting at times. But I certainly have a tremendous amount of remorse, uh, feel horrible about it. And what's even worse and this day and age is, it would be one thing to have issues 30, 40 years ago, but now, because of the Internet, you know, my daughter 12, you know, turned 12 or 13 years old. She goes on the Internet, puts Sid Rosenberg into Google, and she's going to find a whole bunch of stuff that I guarantee you 30 years ago would have been easier to hide from your children. Well, in this day and age with cell phones and cameras and Google, you can't hide anything. So my kids are privy to some stuff that I would never have told them if I didn't have to many, many years ago. So. Um, I've, I've told them I was sorry. I, I've had to explain things in detail that I'd rather not because they do know what I did in the past. And it makes it very, very difficult. But I will tell you this, my kids know the dangers out there. I had to go through it. My wife had to go through it for them to know it. But they do know it. And I think it's going to bode well for them as they grow up because they saw dad go through all these things. At least I hope that's the case. I hope they go hey, my dad went through this, so I'd rather not. You know, you never know. You, you, you just never know. You know, you work your ass up every day, and you, you tell them what's right and what's wrong, but you still never really know. At the end of the day, they're going to make their own decisions. But I think that some of my failures, my public failures, may pave the way for my kids not to make the same major mistakes. Well said. And, uh, Sid, I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic as well, so uh, I do hear where you're coming from with that. And listen, I love you for that, and I congratulate you. And and whether your kids know about it or not doesn't matter. You're an inspiration, uh, and I mean that sincerely. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I got the triple threat: drugs, alcohol, gambling. I mean, I've been through all of it, and and it ruined. Listen, I, I lost jobs. I, I, you know, everybody knows that very popular morning show with Craig Carton, who's a friend of mine. He's facing prison time, by the way. But Boomer Science and Craig Carton, that was mine. That was my job, and I screwed it up because I went away and, and I got fired by WRB. And I mean, I. I mean, this is not an exaggeration. I've blown millions and millions of dollars and tons of opportunities because of my addictions. Now, the difference between you and I is is that, again, 
Uh, if you tell your kids all about it, that's one thing. If you don't, I'm fine with that as well. But they're unlikely to read about it on the Internet. But the guy like me, because I'm a public persona, all that stuff is out there. So it makes it a little more difficult to hide stuff. You know what I'm saying? But again, I do think that in the end, because they do know about it, it may bode well for them and keep them away from it. You know, I wrote a book. It's titled You're Wrong and You're Ugly. You can still buy it at this point. It's cheaper than a slice of pizza on Amazon.com. <laughs> And I do go into some of my trials and tribulations in that book. So there's a lot of public stuff out there. But if you've got the opportunity one day, uh, when and that's up to you if you ever want to do it, if you do or not. But if you have the opportunity to one day sit down and say, hey, you know, Daddy made some of these mistakes. And just so you know, uh, there are some pitfalls out there and some traps. I would hope you don't make the same mistakes. Uh, given that opportunity, I would have much rather have done that than have my kid come home and have a printed out copy of something on the Internet that said, Daddy's on his way back to jail with a second DUI. But certainly, congratulations to you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I do hope that my experience will be profitable to them uh, somewhere down the line when the time comes. All right, Sid, let me ask you about discipline now as a father. How do you handle or uh, what type of disciplinarian are you when it comes to being a parent? I don't hit my kids. I, you know, my dad did you know, a couple of times. I uh, got a couple of good shots. <laughs> and I remember I was going to poly prep and I had lied about a certain class, science, my teacher's name. I remember like it was yesterday. It's got to be four years ago. Her name was Helen Carmody, and I knew I was in big trouble because my science project I did not do. She made it clear if you did not finish the science project at semester's end, she was going to fail you. And I know I didn't do it. And uh, my teacher called my dad and said, listen, I want you and Sydney to come down to the school. And I lived in, uh, in Brooklyn, about 25 minutes away from Bay Ridge and Poly Prep. And we spent about 25 minutes in the car on the way to poly prep. I was a young kid, maybe 12 years old, maybe even younger. And my dad kept asking me, what's going on? And I kept saying, I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? Why would your science teacher call me? What? I don't know. Make a long story short, we got there. She explained it. I get in the car on the way back home. And all it was was one reach over. You know, he's driving. I'm on his right side. A backhand from the right side to my eye. And I actually did get a black eye, by the way. Um, Never got mad at my dad. My dad was never abusive. You know, never did anything like Adrian Peterson of the Washington Redskins. But every now and then he did, he did, you know, use, he got a little, a little physical with his discipline. I don't do that. Um, I'm usually uh, a pushover. Now, look, when I get to that point, when I get very angry, I'm a scary guy. I'll be the first to admit that. I'm a scary guy. And I have a hard time stopping. Kind of like I did with drinking, right? Uh, you too. You had that first drink, you couldn't stop. I'm the same way when it comes to discipline. Once I start yelling and screaming, to calm me down is not easy. But uh, unlike my wife, she'll get there quicker than I will. So that's basically me in a nutshell. It takes a lot to get me really angry. Um, when I get angry, it's a scary situation for everybody in the house. But I, I do use my words and uh, never physical, never. Instead of if you said to me, hey, every now and then I smack my kids, I, I'm not one of those guys that goes, oh, my God, how could you? That's fine because... It did work for me when I was a kid, and most of the kids when I was growing up in the 70s went through that, and most of them turned out to be okay. So I'm not one of those guys who will be, who will be uh, uh, critical if you do that. I just don't do it. Yeah, and I think there's a big difference, Sid, between hitting your kids and beating your kids. And, and when they're little, I, I think a good crack on the ass is called for at times, but uh, beyond a certain age, I think it's you know, really unnecessary. When your kid is 40 years old, you should probably stop. <laughs> All right, Sid, I'm curious here. Do either of your kids show any interest in following your footsteps behind the microphone or getting in front of the camera? Both have been on the air uh, at very young ages. I put my daughter on the air for the first time when she was two. Uh, that was down in South Florida. 
and my son made his debut on my South Florida morning show when he was three. Uh, and they both have been back on the air many, many times since. And, you know, listen, like every other parent, you think your kids are best. They're great. You know, they, they, they're both uh, very communicative people. Uh, they both communicate very, very well. Uh, they're smart kids, so they're opinionated when it comes to everything from politics. I mean, my little boy at seven years old could, could tell you all about Donald Trump and the election and all those types of things. So they've had some experience already, pal. They've been on the air a bunch. My daughter has said, and she's in high school now, she's a ninth grader, uh, when she tells me the three or four things that she'd like to do when she grows up and gets through college, she does talk about TV, radio as one of those. My son's only 10. He's not there yet, but uh, she has expressed interest, and they've both been on the air. So it wouldn't surprise me if at least one of them actually does go into the same field as me. And it would make sense, by the way, because it's a very difficult field. You know, it's um, uh, this business. Everybody wants to be a TV star. Everybody wants to be a radio star. Millions of kids go to school for it. And in the end, the only way, not the only way, but the best way to get it is to know somebody, especially in my industry. Got to know somebody. And they kind of know somebody. I'm the morning show host in New York City. So if they ever really wanted to get in, they'd, uh, they'd have a much easier chance than somebody who's just getting out of college. Very cool. All right, I know you have the popular morning show, Bernie and Sid. What else are you working on? What's coming up in the future for you? Well, Bernie and Sid, of course, is on 6 to 10 every morning. We replaced uh, Don Imus back in April, and it's been a tremendous run. I came back to New York City in January of 2016. I was fired uh, because of drugs and drinking, 2005 WFAN. I never made it. I was the host of the Giants pre- and post-game show, and I went to Atlantic City one weekend in 2005. I was supposed to be back that Sunday for the Giants opening week, the home opener against Carolina. I think it was Eli Manning's first start even, maybe. I never made it back. So I did get fired. I've been suspended a couple of times, and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. So I moved down to South Florida that year in 2005, and I spent about 10 years at three different radio stations hosting morning and afternoon shows just for the opportunity to get back to New York City, and that came to fruition in January of 2016, 11 years later, when I came up to do the midday show with WABC with Bernard McGurk. We spent about two and a half years doing that show, and we spent the last nine months doing the morning show replacing Imus, and it has been just great. We've had Don, everybody on from Donald Trump, uh, one of the few radio shows he's done in the two years he's been the president. We get sports figures, and every week we get Chuck Todd and Bill O'Reilly and Anthony Scaramucci and Bo Dietl. So we've got a terrific show, four hours every morning, 6 to 10, on 770 AM WABC. Now, on Sundays, I do what I did for many years, which is straight sports. The show is called Sid Sports Sunday. It's on 9 to 11 AM on 770 WABC, and it's straight sports. For example, this week, I've got Tom Verducci talking about the baseball winter meetings. You know, the Mets getting Robbie Cano and Edwin Diaz, and the Yankees missing out on Pat Corbin and um, Nathan Ovaldi. Uh, I've got a football guest coming on this Sunday, and I've got Spiro Ditas, who's doing the Jets-Bills game for CBS. Every Sunday, I've got a handicapper making picks against the spread on the games. I've got a fantasy person. I've got stringers live at the six biggest games across the National Football League all over the country. And if you're a real, real sports fan, it is a WFAN show. It's basically what Mike Francesa has done every Sunday, but my show has more energy, and it's free. My charge is 10 bucks a week. So... I've, that's uh, six days a week for me, pal. i got my five morning shows during the week with Bernard. I've got my sports show, 9 to 11 every Sunday. And hopefully 2019, we are working on a bunch of television opportunities as well in both politics and sports. So I expect to be very, very busy. 
Okay, I will definitely include the links in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can just tap the link, check out the sports show, check out the morning show. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Sid, I love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast, what type of advice could you give to that new father or for that about-to-be dad who's out there listening? Oh, God, there's no advice. You know that. There's no books on this. Nobody can tell you what to do because, and this is, this is universal. You know this. I know this. Every dad knows this, okay? They tell us in life, there's a million different things they tell us, different cliches and different sayings, and I think what we come to notice over time is that a lot of it is nonsense. But you always remember when someone says to you, and I looked down in that crib at my son or my daughter, and I looked at that face, or maybe even right there in the delivery room. I was there for both. I cut the umbilical cord for my daughter, and I watched the doctor put my wife's large intestine back in her body after she had a C-section with Gabriel. Maybe it's right then. When you look at that child, you're in love. You're in love. That is it. That's just the way it goes. It's just, it's hard to explain it. If you've never been through it and you have, um, it's hard to explain it, but you're in love right away. And at that point, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do what you feel is right, right? There's no book on this. I, I can't give, I, I can't tell you, hit your kid, don't hit your kid. Yell at your kid, don't yell at your kid. Let your kid walk across the street when he's nine, wait till he's 14. It's, it's all up to the individual. I think that you fall in love day one and you do the very best you can. And I think most people are good parents. Most people are loving. Most people have good intentions. But unfortunately, this is the only thing in life, maybe the only thing in life, and I think you'll agree, where there is no book, there are no directions, there's nothing to follow. You basically operate every day from the heart. Well said. I love the message. Sid Rosenberg, I can't say thank you enough for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. Well, I got to tell you, this was, uh, I do a lot of guesting on shows uh, all week long in states all over the country talking about politics and sports. And, and I mean this, coming from a very sincere place, this is a great podcast. It's beautiful what you're talking about. And I love being on your show. So thank you so much. Wow. Awesome, Sid. Thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. All right, guys, I'm going to be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Sid Rosenberg for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was awesome. Please get over to Twitter. Drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you guys thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And I got a little scheduling change to bring you uh, Friday. I had Trent Shelton scheduled for the podcast, but there was a scheduling change. I will have him next week. Friday, I am going to bring you former Navy SEAL and best-selling author Clint Emerson. Uh, So join me on Friday's podcast for episode 110 to get in on that action. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we are not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Thank you.